Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. Danielle Renee. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for the book club this morning. Um, on this first episode, we're going to be talking about the first appearances of Hellboy. And um, before we get started, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about why we're here, why we're doing this podcast. This podcast is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I always hear people talking about... Where do I start with Hellboy? Uh, how, how do I read Hellboy? Do I have to read all the, the series? So I wanted to kind of uh, provide a guide for people to be able to uh, read through the comic. And I thought it would just be fun to go through all of the issues again. I'm someone who's read a lot of the Hellboy comics already. What's your experience with Hellboy, Aubrey? Um, I have seen the movies. <laughs> okay, good, good. What about you, Danielle? I've actually read, well, I mean... Um, You've you've actually shown me a lot of different stories. I've read quite a number of stories, but it's all kind of out of order, and it's all sort of jumbled, and it's been sort of a while. So I'm really glad to have this opportunity to just go through the whole thing and talk about it because it's, I mean, a great series of books, and it spans so many years. So this is this is really exciting. I always tell people when I'm talking about Hellboy that it's like Lost if it was good, <laughs> right? Because Lost has all these kind of interconnecting things, but... Uh, ultimately, a lot of people weren't uh, happy with the payoff, but with Hellboy, I feel like it's this uh, long inter interconnecting web of stories that does have a really good payoff 20, 25 years into it. Things are still getting paid off, so um, I think it's really exciting, and I think it would be good to go along this journey with you guys who haven't read a whole lot of Hellboy and so you have me, who's who's read a lot of it, and, and you guys who are kind of just coming along for the first time. So I think that's a good mix for our audience. Well, you've read also. through so many times. You've read through, like, everything so yes, many times. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I think that's... Well, I've I've seen so much of the the art, and I've 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 read sort of some of the stories, and so I'm 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 pretty excited to kind of hear your take on on all of it. Yeah, I'm actually you know I'm pretty excited about this because like I've always wanted to read Hellboy, and like I've read about it. I read, I read articles with Mike Manolia, and uh, that one time I met him at Comic Con and getting the autograph for you, he was I was like, oh no, this is really for my friend, and he's looking at me like, okay, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Aubrey did get an autograph for me at, uh, from Mike Magnola at Comic Con one year that I that I didn't get to go. Um, now let's get this out of the way. Um, his the pronunciation on his name is it Magnola or Magnola? I don't know. Okay, well, let's find that out, too, because I don't want to be going through this whole thing saying his name wrong. I would feel terrible <laughs> about that, because he's an amazing artist and a wonderful storyteller. I don't want to... How did you say it the first time? Mignola? Mignola. Is that not Mignola. correct? Is there an Inya on his... We'll have to we'll, we'll have to research yeah. that a little bit. E email us uh, if you want at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Tell us what the proper pronunciation of his, of his name is. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. We're going to dig into this by talking about the many first appearances of Hellboy. When I started researching Hellboy and his first appearances, um, I noticed that there was a lot of conflict in what people consider to be his first appearance, mm -hmm. just because there are so many um, little tidbits uh, in the very beginning. So I thought we'd piece through those one by one and kind of talk about every one, starting with the 1991 drawing. The 1991 drawing was made for the Great Salt Lake Comic Con in 1991, um, this is the first time that the name Hellboy is used. So Mike drew a monster, and he had to name it, um, so he put Hellboy on the belt buckle. And uh, wh what do you think about this picture, Aubrey? 
I remember the first time I saw that picture, I was like, wow, he has um, really come a long way. And like to think that that was like the original design, you can kind of sort of see it in him a little bit, but he looks way more hairy and almost, I don't know, I mean... He's unrecognizable. Yeah. He's unrecognizable. And it's a good sculpture. <laughs> I've seen this statue. They did a good job with that, and it's a cool piece of history, but this is not the Hellboy that I know. And um, Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I've seen it. Albert has the statue, and, like, the day he brought it out and unboxed it, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So Mondo does uh, make a pretty cool statue of this uh, first image of Hellboy. And Mike Mignola himself has said that he does not consider this to be the first appearance of Hellboy, although a lot of people do. Um, he said that he just wanted to draw a monster. That's a pretty cool picture. The monster has, like, it looks like he has four horns, two or the front two are sawed off Hellboy style, but then he's got two on the side. Um, he doesn't have the right hand of doom. Um, he's got a giant belt that's got a bunch of cool stuff hanging from it, like a crab and a fish and a skull and stuff, and it says Hellboy on it. Well, the evolution of all those different themes that went into this amalgamation of ideas, like you can kind of see, like later he's got a little thing of charms. We'll talk about that later. Right. But it's sort of, you know, it's coming you together. You can see the ideas coming together. It's coming together. It, it so, also looks like he's really hairy in this drawing. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, a, there was a comment... There was a comment later by, by Mike Mignola that was saying, I added the name Hellboy at the last minute. The name made me laugh. Correct. Correct. And so he, he, he goes on to say something. The name stuck, and the character started to take shape in my head. Like, ideas started. So, you, like, you never know. It just goes to show you something can evolve into anything. You never really know where an idea is going to take you. You just have to do a thing. Just do the thing. Even if it's not perfect or the final evolution of it, you can build off of it. And I, you just put something down, and, and you go from there. You go on that adventure. So I'm, I'm really grateful that he started with this, I guess, because it eventually did get us to where we're at right now. Right. Um, another interesting thing that I was looking at was this other picture. Um, there's another picture of this first uh, version of Hellboy, and he's standing next to this guy that has, like, a mohawk and lightning bolt eyes. Um, so... Um, something pretty interesting I was reading about this. Uh, there was a local comic book store in Salt Lake City, I don't know if it's still there, called Dr. Volt. And the owner had created Dr. Volt. He called the comic book store Dr. Volt, and he also created Dr. Volt. And he asked Mignola for a commission. So Mignola drew this Hellboy-type monster, and he drew Dr. Volt, and he commissioned it for this uh, comic book owner. So there's this guy out there that that has this... Uh, this sketch, you know, from the original use of the name Hellboy, which I thought was kind of interesting. What do you think about Dr. Volt there, Aubrey? <laughs> Honestly, I, when I was looking at this picture the other day, I was like, it's like he took the, the two characters and morphed them to the Hellboy almost. Because, I mean, he's got the square jaw almost and the way he's holding his hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't make that connection. It, it's almost like this could be uh, his 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 parents right here. <laughs> cool. What what do you think about this picture, Danielle? I mean, it's, it's a good drawing. Obviously, you know, Mike Mignola is actually one of my favorite artists. But, uh, yeah, I don't recognize this character. Yeah. So, I don't, you know. But I thought that was really cool. It's um, super cool. It's and, actually, and it's, it's a actually really, cool. Goal, uh, really cool piece of uh, collector, you know, yeah. um, collector's sketch to have that that early early hellboy uh, use of the name next we're going to talk about uh dime press number four so dime press number four came out in may of 1993 it was only a run of 2000 and there's a prototype hellboy that appears on the cover of this magazine um so wh what do you think about that picture aubrey well 
the fact that he's kind of more of a pale green, I'm like, it makes me wonder, was that Magnolia's choice, or did the colorist just color it green? Um, but other than that, it's really starting to take shape more to the classic Hellboy look that we know. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, no, I'll go with that. It definitely is. You know, he's got the the horns and everything. It's pared down quite a bit. There's not quite as much stuff on him. Right. But it also looks like on his like chest, it's almost like the beginnings of the the BPRD. Yeah, uh, logo. you can kind of see the, right the 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 outline of the BPRD logo there on his chest. Good good eye there, Aubrey. Catch, yeah. And he's got like some gray, some gold highlights or something like that on his. Uh, he he's got like the chopped off horns, so that's kind of there. The right hand of doom is coming together. You can see that one hand is different from the other. So apparently, this um, cover was drawn in 1991, right around the same time that Mike Mignola uh, did that uh, that initial Salt Lake Comic Con drawing. So. Um, this cover didn't come out until '93, but apparently Mike Mignola had already been drawing this uh, this monster already. So you know he draws this character. He starts using the Hellboy name in the same year. So it's all kind of coming together. So now we're going to start to get into some actual comic books, right? We're going to talk about uh, San Diego Comic Con number two. So San Diego Comic Con number two. This was a black and white um, promotional. It was only available at San Diego Comic-Con 1993, or you could order it through the mail. And it contains a, a black-and-white um, short story. Um, it's four pages, where Hellboy uh, fights a giant dog in a gas station. Um, so that's that's kind of the that, that first initial story. This is considered by Mike Mignola to be the first appearance of Hellboy, because he's actually in the comic, and he's got a four-page story. So this isn't just like a picture or a promotional thing. This is um, the actual uh, character coming to life for the very first time. So let's get into this. Uh, there's only four pages of this story, but it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. What do you think about this story, Aubrey? Did you have a chance to go through it? Yeah, um, I have to say, like when I was reading it, it kind of gave me that same feeling like when you read um, like old school Sunday comic strips. It's like short. It's to the point. And I'm not talking about like, the funny ones. I'm talking about the actual old adventure yeah. ones. Right. Right. Uh, but I just like how, like, you imagine if you're reading this, he's like, Hellboy, he's like, oh, look, there's a dog. And the next thing you know, it's this giant monster. And, like, now we know that's who Hellboy is. But, I mean, you just, like, imagine just reading this for the very first time, never seen Hellboy before, and all of a sudden, boom, monster dog. Right. And it's like, what is going on? The action on? gets started right away, and that's something that um, Mike Mignola has. I hate to keep bringing up old interviews with him, but it really sticks in my head listening to him talk about it is always – he talks about his process and he talks about how he likes to draw panels he thinks look cool and he would fill in the dialogue to fit the story that he drew sometimes and that kind of stuck with me as far as storytelling goes because I feel like if I'm looking at a good story of the comic or the graphic novel, whatever you have it, the sequential art, if you can get rid of all the dialogue and still be able to tell what's going on in the story, that's really good storytelling when you're an artist and I'm not saying that you never need dialogue obviously that's a very effective storytelling method um, but I just mean for for a visual artist who's drawing the story that story has to be there in the art you know the characters the colors the panels well the colorists don't get enough credit but if it's dynamic and communicative that's something I really admire and that's something I admire about his work consistently over the right years. with this with this story in, spe- in particular you could probably take out all the dialogue and still kind of get an idea yeah. of what's happening. And like I said, right? not that you not that you don't need dialogue, obviously you do, but I, I feel like if you can remove all that and still follow the story, you know, that's that's something that I really I think is impressive and I um 
No, I would have yeah. to agree with you there because, like, with the comics being a sequential art story, the art is really what's kind of selling it, and the the art really should be able to tell the story without the dialogue. Yeah. Right. And also, so, just one more thing. Sorry, his love for animals is immediate, yeah, yeah. and that's something that stays throughout the entire yes. Hellboy everything. His, we get we get lots of animals. In he the Hellboy loves universe. animals, and you can. It's just immediately the very first story. He loves animals, and then of course, I mean, he turns into a giant monster. He has to fight him. But yeah, I think that that's something <laughs> that's 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 noticeable. But, and and I know that you said that this was like um, released as a black and white comic, but the version that I'm looking at is from the um, it's colored, yeah, from the omnibus, and it's color. And I just got to bring out because you mentioned colors yeah. earlier. Don't ever get a lot of love. The colors in this are just beautiful. I always, mean, just, always. It gets that. It really gives you that nice, desolate desert feel. Well, doesn't his colorist win Eisner's? Yeah, I Dave mean, Stewart. Dessert. I'm not sure if Dave Stewart colored this one, but he probably did since they went back and added the color right. later. Um, so let's look at this first page. Yeah. There are a couple little things that I wanted to point out. You see a scarab uh, with a swastika symbol. So I feel like that is maybe he's uh, starting to get towards his Project Ragnarok, which we will talk about next week when we talk about Seed of Destruction. But there's some imagery that we're going to see that's very similar to that. So I think Mike is kind of getting his ideas together for that there. Poising himself to be against Nazis, which is right. always a good position. Which to is take. always a good thing. Always good to fight some Nazis. And uh, also in that second panel, you see uh, you see a car. You see a car in the background. Uh, Mike Mignola does not like to draw cars. And so I think that this is kind of interesting. You can kind of see a little car sitting there in the back of the gas station. One of the very few cars that you'll see Mike Mignola draw in Hellboy comics or at all. Almost looks like it's um, he two drove cars in a car. van. It looks like he drove that car right into the ground. Yeah, because it almost looks like there's like a 1970s car, and then that looks like a 50s car with the fins on it. Right yeah, there. I don't blame him. Drawing cars, you know, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem fun. It's it's not one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> so Hellboy walks up to an abandoned gas station or a gas station out in the desert, and he sees this dog. The dog starts growling at him. He's a mangy mutt, right? And mm -hmm. then uh, as we turn the page into the next, uh, as we turn into the next page, the dog is a giant dog monster, right? And he starts attacking Hellboy. Apparently, this is Anubis, the ancient god of mummification, and you can see Hellboy yelling that in that middle panel right there. And I just really love the action. You know, there's there's something about Mike Mignola's style where uh, he really conveys motion and action in a in a really cool way and I just love the dog kind of grabbing Hellboy that zoom in of his face as his head's being thrown back and whacked around pretty fun pretty cool I have to say though I mean like the the design of the um Anubis dog monster uh I got to say I really enjoy that and on a side note as somebody who owns three dogs I've always like wondered why don't we have more like dog themed superhero ca characters, and I'm like, well, nobody's going to run from the Dalmatian, right? Yeah, <laughs> this this comes in so early, just immediately his he takes figures from you know ancient lore and all these other kinds of you know different yeah, religions, true. and he takes you know he's always he's Hellboy's that's his thing. He runs into Baba Yaga. He runs into whoever zeus he runs into right. all these different figures from throughout history all these mythical figures and i think it just immediately starts and that's something you can tell where mike mignola's interest lies is is in all these crazy folklore. adventures with these exactly yeah. yeah with folklore as we go into the next page uh, their fight continues one thing i want to point out is in the lower left you see a really good close-up of hellboy's face um, we really don't get a lot of detailed looks at Hellboy's face. Um, as the series goes on, I think Mike Mignola uses less lines, and so 
this is a pretty cool picture. Um, I I think that you get a really good sense of what his face looks like, um, of what his, you know, he's got that big neck, and uh, it's a little bit more detail. You can see his nose, and you can see some of the lines on his face, and so I like that panel. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. As yeah. his style evolves, I mean, he does kind of, I wouldn't say simplify, but he sort of condenses his, I mean, his lines are very used very purposefully, and he's he's got a, a lot of, uh, dynamics in his style and and everything like that. So it does it does I get I don't know if it gets less detailed. It just it it does it is different. It's different, yeah. yeah. And so as Hellboy and the dog are fighting, Hellboy backs into a sign. He hits it with his right hand of doom. You can see here another thing that I notice is the right hand of doom is much smaller than it normally is. As the series goes on, that, that thing gets kind of bigger, but you can see in some of these panels, it's about the same size as his regular hand. As Hellboy backs into this sign that has a giant arrow on it, the arrow comes down and stabs the dog, the giant dog monster, and I love that panel of him being impaled by the giant arrow and screaming out. Really cool, really dynamic use of motion again. It's almost like... um. Hellboy just kind of got lucky in that thing where he hit the thing and then the sign just happened to fall right at the right moment. And yes. It's like that uh, picture you were just talking about on his face. It's almost like his face is like looking there going, hmm, I got lucky. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to this last panel. So the dog, uh, after being stabbed by the arrow, he leans back into the to the pumps. He falls on top of them. You can see it says flammable right there on top as he crunches on down to it. And then there's a big explosion. And the explosion, um, I love those Kirby bubbles. It's got kind of like yeah, those Kirby bubbles. Um, I know Mike Mignola, he is very, crackle. yes, he's very inspired by Jack Kirby. And I love that as the as the Hellboy falls back from the explosion, you can kind of see all of that Kirby inspiration in there. I was to say, though, I also like the way that um, the explosion is like bright lit and then everything else is shadows. And I have to say, I've always been a fan, uh, once I became a fan, uh, Mike Magnolia's use of shadows in his works, and yeah. it's kind of got that that nice dark blackness to it. I mean, and the artwork is just. It's I just think gorgeous. about that every single time I look at anything he draws. His use of negative space of shadow. I mean, he's just his mastery over that of, of of shadows and all that sort of stuff is just incredible. And it's, I mean, you know, a lot of artists are have that like Oming or whoever, but Mike Magnolia really. That always hits home for me. It's just impeccable. And I love this. The last thing I'll say about this is it says world's greatest paranormal investigator. And so I think that that was a line that he was using to promote Hellboy um, uh, in the very beginning. I don't I don't know that we see that title a whole lot later as the series goes on. But um, I I, he that's his idea of it initially, you know, that Hellboy is going to be the world's greatest paranormal investigator. Very reminiscent of world's greatest detective only with a a spin on there. Yeah. And it kind of goes with the story. It's got like this pulpy style. It's kind of like this. this this weird kind of pulp uh, throwback comic where Hellboy is um, just uh, strolling into this gas station and then gets put in this situation, which is uh, pretty fun, pretty cool, a uh, pretty cool way to introduce the character. So is this like the first time we're seeing the Hellboy logo lettering like this? Because if this is his first published story... Uh, I think so. I think this might be the first use of the of the Hellboy uh, lettering like that. And I, I've got to say, I, I mean, as a fan of lettering in yeah. general, uh, fonts and typography and all that. I, oh I yeah, say, you want a good font. I, I got to say, the, the design of it and the way it's laid out and the, it, it 
really good design there. Awesome, awesome. So that's San Diego Comic-Con number two. That came out in August of 1993. And then the next Hellboy appearance would be in December 1993 in Next Men issue 21. So Next Men uh, issue 21, we're going to talk about that next. And this is uh, Next Men uh, 21 is written uh, uh, by John Byrne. And John Byrne initially scripted uh, the first Hellboy uh, stories. He helped Mike kind of get all that together because Mike didn't think that he was a very good writer. So we're going to talk about this issue. Uh, this is kind of a weird issue. What do you think about this issue, guys? Well, well, let me talk about the cover real quick first. And this goes back to the art and the use of shadows that uh, we were talking about just a second ago. I mean, just the way that, you know, Hellboy is kind of like coming from the back, or they get some, like into the alley that these characters are, and then the, how they use the shadow all around it, and Hellboy is all in shadow, and you can you can see like the top of his horns and a little bit of his like his chest and all that. And I just say that it's a very well laid out cover and design, and it doesn't say a lot, but it gives you a lot. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first time that Hellboy actually appears in full color, and this is the first time that he appears in a comic book issue with the where he's in the whole story and not just this little four-page promotional thing. So let's talk about this. So um, I kind of read this intro thing. I, I, I didn't I did really... <laughs> it, it, it was... Yeah, it's, there's quite a synopsis at the beginning of this issue. I did not read it. It looked very boring. <laughs> so... So uh, well, I, I thought it would help me understand the beginning of the story. I don't want to understand the beginning of the story. That's the, I always <laughs> get so pissed off when I see that at the beginning of a comic book. I'm like, no, just tell the story in... Side of the comic book in the graphic novel. That's what I want to read. That's why I'm reading this. If I wanted to read a freaking book, I'd open a book. Like no. Well, we also we also have to realize we're coming in on issue 21. I don't so care. there's 20 there's uh, 20 issues it. before this of of story. I will but... never read it. <laughs> well, I can honestly tell you, it confused me more. Yeah. That's yeah. What I'm saying. No, I don't <laughs> care. It, it was. It, it seems like a, a lot has happened in the pre Skip in the previous it. 20 issues. So we open up, and there is some sort of kind of Jesus story or allegory involving Caesar and Jesus, but Jesus uh, in this story is well, yeah, he's he's an African American man with white hair. I think he's meant to resemble Father Michael Benedict, who's one of the characters in Next Men. I think he's kind of like the Professor X to the X Men. Well, I like to say, like, you know, I mean, you start off, you're reading this, it's like, okay, this is John Byrne's interpretation of the whole Passion of the Christ storyline, very comic book pulpy, and then it's like three pages in, and all of a sudden it's like you meet Jesus, and it's like this strapping, muscular dude, <laughs> and he's wearing, like, iron gauntlets, it looks like. I guess right. like Everyone's wearing his... spaceman costumes or <laughs> bikinis. There you go. And he's kind of got the iron gauntlet bikini thing going i mean and but very progressive for a comic that came out in the early 90s i was just like what am i reading honestly yeah. i was just i was like, am weird. i reading the bible although there's a teeny tiny quote at the very beginning that says such evil deeds could religion prompt i got go ahead uh I, I go yeah i'm gonna go ahead and agree with that there was there was a quote oh, i should have looked this up earlier but there was a quote i don't know how, quite how it goes it takes something like religion to get a good person to do bad things and i'm gonna go ahead and yeah agree with that i wish i knew who said that i can't remember off the top of my head but yeah moving on moving on yes and then i gotta say though the art is very john byrne yeah it is very john byrne it's got that 90s style when i first started reading comics john byrne was one of the first artists i i came across with like 
his work on West Coast Avengers and the Dark Phoenix saga and also other X-Men stories. But then seeing this, it's right. like, and it's just like, what's going on and how much do I care? Well, they do uh, do some bad things because of religion. They crucify uh, this version of Jesus that's in the story. And I guess then he rises from the grave again. Um, but as this kind of Jesus uh, allegory ends, we see that one of the next men is reading this from the Bible. So I think maybe this character that's reading it, he's putting his own interpretation on it. Maybe he's seeing Jesus as their um, as their team leader, or I'm not really sure what that's supposed Just to what be. What a boring place to go. Yeah. The Bible. It's, oh, my God, it's so boring. Just the Bible is like literally the most boring thing I can think of. Just well, pick any other story to form an allegory. Seriously. Well, I mean, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you have, like, the different versions of the Bible. This is, I guess, like John Byrne's version of the Bible. Exactly. And I got to say, it's a lot more exciting than the one I remember. <laughs> still, <laughs> it's like, oh, but God, it's do we still... have to bring everything back to Christianity? Just but it is Something original, please. And then, oh, we get something original pretty soon. Yeah. It's going to be Mike. So as this story uh, fades into the real world, I guess, the characters talk a little bit. And they, there's some rumbling on the streets. They realize that they have been tracked by Control. I guess Control is maybe the bad agency, or it's the people that's trying to get the next one. I'm not really sure. And they blow up their fortress. I guess when they blow up their fortress, the teams all split up. They run in a bunch of different directions. Do you have anything to say about that? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just standard comic stuff. Like, the bad guys are coming stuff blows up we got to get away and so as they try and get away they split up into different teams and i guess danny and joshua go off and that's where it starts to get really cool there's what that familiar style there's the yes. color palette there's it's so recognizable even this early on all this his use of shadows mm -hmm. and here here it comes well as i was reading this the other day i didn't notice this but i'm noticing this now like as it's getting closer to where uh, Hellboy comes in, you can start to see it getting darker, and mm -hmm. yeah. start, and even Burn is starting to use a little more shadows, and then it's like, bam, turn the page, and it's Ognolia. And you can tell right away that first panel is completely black with two word bubbles in it, so we, we know that we're getting into the Magnolia universe already. So Danny and Joshua, they're split up, um, they find themselves in some old tunnels, and they're walking around. What happens next? Hellboy jumps out at him. <laughs> There's so, a font too. Yeah, we we mm -hmm. do we do see the font um, for the first time. Hellboy jumps out of the dark, and even in this first little panel with him, uh, you can see most of it's black, and there's very little red kind of coming through. Um, Hellboy's jumping out from the shadows, and it looks really awesome. He says, "Holy spit," which is something that. Uh, well, later <laughs> in the same book, he says, "Shit." Yeah. So I, I don't know. Just say. <laughs> I don't. Well, he probably noticed they were kids, and he was like, "Oh, I got to control oh, my language right, when right, I right. jump Maybe. down yeah. on them." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like how the the kid yells out "Hellboy" in Hellboy's own font. So yeah, that's really cool. And so Hellboy says, "Nice to be recognized." But I wasn't kidding when I told you and your little buddy to run. And he's fighting like fighting like a giant bug monster or something. And so oh. this is a kind of classic Mignola type monster. What do you what do you think about this double page? Uh, uh, spread here, Aubrey. I, I really enjoy it, and I was going to say I thought it was more like a fish monster, but oh, okay. uh, I, I like it. It's like laid out very well. The monster's taking up the one half of the of the one page, and Hellboy's like leaping in, and it looks very dynamic. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just the way it goes. And then the kids are in the back behind Hellboy, going, ah, yeah. and then the water, and then the shadows, and the coloring. It's just oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's just and like you said, it's so dynamic. It tells mm -hmm. a story. Is there so much action going on? The the use of shadows. You know, it's it's yeah, super good. 
I love the crab claws coming out of the back of this monster. He's got like two arms in the front, and then he's got like these crab claw things coming out of the back, which I think are are really cool looking. It's a it, it's a great double page again, I, a testament to Mike Mignola's just love of just drawing stuff that looks cool and then hoping it fits a cool story later. I love it. So Hellboy and the monster fight, which is a a thing that we'll see a lot in the in the Hellboy comics. As he fights the monster, he starts to realize that he doesn't know where he is either, and so he teams up with these two kids, uh, Danny and Joshua, and they try and look for a way out together. What what do you think about the art on these next couple pages? It's still great. I mean, it it flows. I mean, from the last uh, the double page splash page, and you know it flows in, and like Hellboy's like coming down, and you get reaction shot, and then you get a you get another. Uh, it looks like another close up but you it doesn't seem as detailed as that one in the other yeah yeah uh, and then it ends with that whole like he's flying down looking he's about to smash him with that right hand of doom but i also like to point out the um how the kids are saying hellboy is just a comic book character right yeah <laughs> i will I always love that it's not quite fourth wall breaking just the mention of hellboy as a comic book character within that world is really fun it's always fun when writers and artists do this like we see it in x-men and avengers and you know, Superman, probably Batman, I don't know. But, like, it's always, oh, is that Wolverine? Yeah, man, he's just, I thought, oh, is it, like, in the comics? Did you go to outer space? And he's like, it's not quite like the comics, but it's kind of like that. Like, I, I don't know. I always <laughs> find that really hysterical. And if you had read that long forward at the beginning of the comic, it says something about one of the characters is starting to have the comic book characters come into her dreams or something like that, or they're starting to come to life, or they're starting to appear in her world or something. So I think this appearance by Hellboy and the fact that they refer to him as a comic book character is kind of playing into that story and that's kind of their way to get Hellboy in this comic that he really has nothing to really do with but make a really cool first appearance. Again, on one of these uh, early pages, you see the side of the trench coat. He's got the BPRD logo there. It looks pretty legit, pretty much how it's going to be looking for the rest of the series. So that's a very early appearance of that as well. And then another like close-up of his face, but it's like mostly just... It, it's mostly just like shadows, and then yeah. like the the color of his face is just like filled in. You don't so really like, see his eyes. Mm-mm. So he, uh, Hellboy uh, gets with these kids, and they're trying to look for a way out. They head towards the light, and they find a gate um, that's locked. But Hellboy quickly pulls the gate off, and um, as he's getting ready, as they're getting ready to make their escape, it looks like the monster's coming out from behind him again. The same monster. You can see the silhouette with the giant crab claws on either side. Oh, he does say shit there. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know. I, I, I always love that it, his sense of humor. Even from the very beginning, Hellboy's got a very dry sense of humor. Yeah, he's, he's like, a no, very... No, it's not. He just yanks it off. Yeah, he's kind of just a blue-collar guy. He's not really a... He's no, not really yeah. like a Superman super or a sure. Batman. He's just he 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 really comes across as just like some regular he dude that's yank walking an around. Iron gate off its hinges. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the kids are like, but the gate is locked. No, it's not. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> yes, and that and again, a great use of motion as he rips the gate off. Um, there's not really any motion lines or anything, but you really get the sense of how Hellboy is just able to take that thing off. The monster comes back. Hellboy tells the kids to run. Um, we can't just leave you. And I love this line. He says, listen, kids, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but if it comes to the point that I need your help, we're all in trouble. He's kind of a little bit of a jerk. It reminds me of that. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that from The Office. What does Dwight say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I'm dead, you've all been dead for weeks already or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. What if that's... we die? What if we can't get in the building? Oh. That's no, what that yeah. reminded me of when I, when I read that. And, and again, Hellboy's fighting this giant bug sea monster thing you and uh, he's got hooves here 
You oh yeah, the, you yeah. You can see the the, the Hellboy hooves um, in he's in the all, background as he's, he's jumping all together. around. This is this is he's really there. It's really Hellboy. So we're not sure. Uh, so Hellboy continues fighting the monster. I'm not really sure if this is real or not. The kids kind of snap out of it, and when they do, um, we're back into the John Byrne style again, and Hellboy is gone, and and the monster is gone as well. They find themselves on the street, and they're able to get out of this battle zone. As they get out, then it kind of appears that this whole thing was a dream or somebody was dreaming it uh this lady named sandy so she's she's woken up by uh some guy there in the they're in a bed this bed reminded me a lot of sin city it it reminded me a lot of frank miller and it does uh, have that kind of sort of like but very john burnish yeah and is she psychic? Because on the TV, it's like there's something weird going on in the sewer. So, yeah, I don't know. she's so, like a psychic X Man. So something, lady. something's going on. And what, what, uh, what? The scene that we just saw with Hellboy and the kids was also her dream, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. Like after it got back into the real I didn't world, read it either. I, kinda, no. I mean, I read the whole thing, but I just caught, it was just like, okay, don't care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, but 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 I but I got to point out this thing when she wakes up. She says. And Hellboy, Jesus, Hellboy was in it, fighting one of those big monsters Mignola loves drawing so much. So they name drop the fact that what? Mignola likes to draw monsters like in the issue. like him about drawing monsters. That is fourth wall breaking. So I thought that that was really funny that she says that. Um, she she named So in this Next Men universe, Mike Mignola exists as an artist. That's um, pretty great. This, yeah, that's, that's kind great. of interesting. That's kind of interesting. They turn on the TV... And they see the battle unfolding that we were just watching where the kids were, where the next men were being attacked by control, I guess. The very last page, I guess, is uh, is supposed to get you to buy the next issue. There's two characters talking. They're going to save, uh, you know, uh, this guy thinks that the next men are going to attack the president. He's going to save the president from the next men. And then the issue ends. So that's pretty much it. And, you know, I don't really know what happens after that. I don't really care to know what happens after that. that. Yeah, uh... I gotta say, it's kind of an interesting choice to introduce Hellboy this way. Um, I'm not sure how big this comic was back when it was coming out. I mean, I know John Byrne is, you know, he's a legend in the field and all that, but was it just a way to kind of introduce people like, a, you know, like, go well, buy the Hellboy comic now? It says here, Mike Mignola was saying that he... He got a lot of he he drew a little Hellboy thing, and then people wanted they wanted it to be a monthly book. They wanted it to be. And he was like, "Well, I just don't have time to do that right now." But thank you so much for your interest. You know what? He's going to appear here and there. He's going to be in this little story, and so watch out for him. And then people freaking lost their minds. They loved it. They wanted more. And he's like, "Cool, maybe I should make this my main deal." And he sort of started, and that's when it you know became the book that we know. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying that uh, just to premiere it in the middle of. It looked like the middle of a story arc that was going on in the middle of John Byrne's comic. Well, it's he like, want he wanted to keep it going. He just didn't have time to like make it a full thing. So this was, I guess, the the most he could do at the time. Which is, it's it's funny to think about now down the road that we got this little weird mini story within a story. But yeah. yeah. So awesome. Before we go on to the next story, I want to talk about this Freedonia Funny Works tenth anniversary card. It's kind of like a foil card. Can you pull that up, Aubrey, so we could look at that? There we yeah. go. And so this uh, this card came out sometime in 1993. I don't know when. I'd be interested to know what month it came out in 1993 because it could potentially be one of the earlier appearances of Hellboy. Dime Press uh, number four came out in May of 1993. San Diego Comics Con came out in August of 1993. 
and then Next Men came out in December of 1993. So depending on where this uh, card came out, it's one of a very one of the few very early appearances of Hellboy. This was on a 10th anniversary card set for Fredonia Funny Works. Um, it was sold as a set of 11 cards with a bonus card. Some other cards that were included were Milk and Cheese, Madman, and Sin City. Hellboy was uh, number nine out of the 11 cards. It was limited to only 1,200 cards, so there's very few of these. It's black and white with red foil. There was a lot of foil going on in the 90s. You, you remember foil, Aubrey? Oh, man. It was foil everywhere. If it wasn't foil, it was also holograms. Oh. I had a lot of X-Men foil things, I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. What was your favorite foil cover? Do you, do you, I, can you think back of what, what, what's your favorite foil? You know, I, I, what's your favorite Pog? I, I, I think of this, um, I think there was like a Venom Spider-Man on a gold foil. Do you remember cool, that one? Yeah. I remember really thinking that issue was going to be worth yeah. money one day. Oh, yeah. You can probably pick it up for oh, 10 bucks now. Foil, it's going to be, no, yeah. Yeah, but there was, a lot of, there was a lot of foil going on in the 90s. <laughs> and, well, uh, you know, foil, glow-in-the-dark covers. Oh, yeah. uh, sure, they had the textured ones that you could mm-hmm. like feel they were like popping out and Scratch stuff and sniff. oh yeah um those like plastic translucent like i remember like from x-men apocalypse like they had that clear cover on x-men omega and it's just, oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I, was, I, do I remember, remember seeing it in the store going man that is so ugly yeah <laughs> so this is a, a red foil card and um it's got a classic hellboy on it um we see hellboy um we see the logo he's standing on top of a open casket or something like that with a skeleton in it there's a bunch of other cool things Uh there's like an evil bird there's a crab claw there's a giant tentacle coming out and so uh pretty cool pretty cool uh classic hellboy stuff i couldn't really get a good picture of this but if you want to check out any of these images that we're talking about you can check us out on instagram at hellboy book club and you can get a look at this image of the foil card as well as any of the other ones that we've been talking about i just wanted to bring that up before we go on to 1994 because it is an early appearance um some people say that it's the first appearance that it predates um san diego comics con so um i know it came out sometime in 93 i'm not sure what month so if you do know what month i write in and let us know i'd love to have that piece of information to kind of piece together this this timeline of the many first appearances of hellboy um, now we're going to go on. Well, there was there was one other thing I wanted to mention. No, no, no go ahead, go that, ahead. Um, for the in the last story that we read, there was a comment that Mike Mignola had made. I guess this was in a compilation book, but um, I'm reading here. It says, "I wasn't much concerned with plot, but I did learn a couple things. Hellboy looks better with a coat, and I like to draw gorillas with big old bolts sticking out of them." So awesome. he's he's learning that he wants <laughs> this is because he's got the coat. It's kind of like a, a cape almost, but it's not quite. It's yeah. like a flowy, it's like a trench coat. It's like that. It goes harkens back to that gritty detective series sort of a deal where he's always like he just wants to live his life, but he keeps running into crazy trouble. And so it's yeah, he does look better with the coat. I, I'm gonna have to agree. Awesome, awesome. So now uh, going on, we're gonna talk about Comics Buyer's Guide number ten seventy. Um, this came out in May of nineteen ninety four. And it, it originally came out in black and white, although the version that we're looking at has been colored for the collected edition. Yeah, I don't really know how many of how many were made of these, um, but it's a four issue story, and it's pretty rare. Um, it, it it goes for a, a pretty penny on on eBay if you can find it. We jump into this story, um, and in, we when we jump into the story, there is already the action taking place. We don't need Hellboy to walk up to an abandoned gas station just immediately on that first panel. There's uh, cool stuff going on. What, what what did you think about this first panel? Well, it definitely conveys a lot. I mean, you have the um, the, the woman strapped to the board. I like that she has an X on her neck, so the gorilla knows exactly where to stab her. <laughs> uh, and then the gorilla is like wearing these like 
Funky Gauntlet's almost kind of like a cross between the right hand of Doom and an Infinity yeah, Gauntlet. Right. Yeah. It's some weird. Yeah. Um, and he's got those bolts on him that you were just talking about. Yeah. And then the the dude, the Nazi's head in the jar. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, very good. This is um, the the gorilla is Brutus, and the head in the jar is Herman von Klemp. So this is our first appearance of Herman von Klemp. We'll be seeing more of him uh, as we go on. But this is a very early appearance of that character, and I just love the fact that he's just like a head in a jar, um, being preserved. Um, kind of got like that whole nineteen fifties uh, like. Yeah. Pulp sci-fi. Exactly. Look to exactly. It. Again, you see that that pulp influence, and uh, it also has the world's greatest paranormal investigator uh, little tag there under the Hellboy logo, which is uh, we had talked about earlier. Oh, and he's not wearing his coat. He's not wearing the coat, and look at that right hand of doom. It's it's uh it's it's pretty small there. You know, yeah. it's about the size of a regular hand. It does it does kind of seem to like gets. Big. I don't know if it gets bigger. It carries more weight though in the story, so maybe he's sort of unconsciously. Yeah. Sure. Subconsciously drawing it like that, and damsels in distress. I don't. I think that's kind of a rare Mignola. Yeah, um, we, we don't. We don't really see a lot of it's damsels that he in, moved in, away in, from in, that. in distress. But here's one of the very few uh, appearances of that I kind am, of thing. I am. I am grateful that he moved away from that because it's such a tired it trope, really and is. the imagery is just like, come on, man. But no, I. I yeah, I agree. And there's not much of that. It's just this. I think first panel here, and we get right into the action with Hellboy finding this gorilla, which is really all that we we want to see out of this story. Yeah, um, some pretty awesome pages of, of of them fighting. What, what do you think about this first page? Oh, it, it's it's just uh, it is wonderful. I mean, it's like you know Hellboy fighting a giant gorilla. Well, he's I mean, not. I don't. He's like a he's like a robot gorilla or yeah. something. You know, it's, almost yeah. Frankenstein-y type Frankenstein-y, gorilla. Yeah. Excuse me, Frankenstein's monster. One oh, thing. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Frankenstein's monster. We all know. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I want to point out: Von Klemp says, "Hellboy, it seems you have been an annoyance uh, to my Führer's legions in the past." So we kind of get a sense that um, Hellboy's going to be fighting Nazis, and uh, so that kind of hints us Which as the awesome. f- first storyline. So the. Um, you know, a, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the things that we're going to read uh, on our next episode with Seed of Destruction, there's little seeds of it planted here, and we'll talk about that more when we get to that episode, but there's a little mention of it here, and I, I, I like that. I like, even from just these promotional stories, it's already interconnecting to this larger mythology that we're going to be getting into as the weeks go on. I'll just say that it also kind of gives, like, Hellboy that little bit of weight that he's yeah. just been around yeah. for so long. I mean, it kind of like... Still fighting Nazis. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it gives him a sense of history. And and so as we get into the next page, their, their fight continues. Hellboy shoots the gorilla right in the hand, and you see his hand kind of blow up. His robot hand. His robot hand, Which that's right. Which is super cool looking. In all the explosion and the, the melee of the battle, uh, Von Klemp has fallen to the floor. He gets mad at Hellboy for smashing his lab and destroying uh, his equipment. And the damsel, she says, please, please help me. And then the gorilla says, the girl is still alive. The transfusion can still be accomplished. And what I love Hellboy's reaction to that. <laughs> huh? You can talk? Yeah. So we, we, so we find out that the gorilla can talk. And so Hellboy is pretty... Uh, pretty surprised by that and you know as we all would be if there was a talking robot gorilla walking around although i have to say though that that part when he got there reminded me just a tad bit of gorilla grod but um but not in like a bad way oh yeah yeah a nice little i was like oh yeah yeah it is it it is very similar to that 
And so I, I, I love Hellboy's response to this. He, he, you can already see in that last panel, he's got Von Klempt. He's got his wires, the wires connecting to his uh, uh, glass jar uh, head um, in his hand. And as the next panel comes in, he throws the, the glass jar head into, the, into Brutus's mouth, causing Brutus to fall back. And again, we see those uh, Kirby bubbles again. I, I, I love this panel as the, the gorilla falls back into all the electricity and you see the explosion. Kirby um, crackle. It, it, it's really cool. Yeah, Kirby crackle. And then, like, like how they're sitting there watching it burn. And he said, "What did he say about it? You know, it being brick." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who he says like, so the damsel and I stand a while, watch the castle burn. Sure, make what well, ah. makes a merry blaze for something built mostly of stone. Right. I read that I, when I first read that. I just kind of you know I, I thought it was a good chuckle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a. Every car that crashes explodes in movies or something Ridiculous. like that, right? <laughs> Ridiculous. And, and and again, as this thing ends, it kind of uh, Hellboy says that he didn't know that any of that was going to happen, you know. And so he kind of falls into these situations, just like in the last four-page story, you know. He uh, hit the sign. The sign hit the giant dog monster, and the dog monster fell onto the pumps, causing an explosion. It seems to be his lot in life to just sort of fall into yeah. these very dire situations that involve the fate of the universe. Well, I, I gotta say back to where um, he throws the the head into the into Brutus's mouth. The look of that is just hilarious. He's like, I can just it's think super the, good. if you, if the monkey had a thought bubble. I mean, sorry, gorilla uh, had a thought bubble. He'd be like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really well, great. I, I, I you this is extremely off topic. You were mentioning Grodd. Isn't there a Marvel talking gorilla too? Oh, I'm not sure. There's. I know that there's obviously DC's got a talking gorilla. There's. I know that there's a. There what probably the is at name? some point. Anyway, if, if you know who the Marvel yeah, talking gorilla is, please, uh, please write in and <laughs> let, let Danielle know. I could which... Google it, but I'd rather have uh, people on the internet tell me, which so, I guess is Googling. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's pretty much that's the same, pretty much thing, the same but, thing. But but we want to hear from you personally and, and, and not have to ask the, the Google Tron. Now, if you could actually email in without Googling and you know the answer. That would be awesome. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's a thousand Uh, nerds screaming at me right now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's pretty much it. These are considered to be the first appearances of Hellboy. Um, I I think that's pretty cool. And you can kind of see um, from those initial ideas from the Salt Lake City Comic Con drawing all the way to these these, uh, little promotional stories. So one thing that I was reading about these stories is they were – um, set to promote the Seed of Destruction storyline. Um, and they were scripted by John Byrne, which is, I think, we why we get a lot of the internal monologue. We get kind of like the, the narration. Um, I think that's something that we'll see less of as the Hellboy uh, series goes on. And John Byrne is also going to um, help Mike Mignola on Seed of Destruction, so we'll get a, a, a little bit more of that next time, too. So that's pretty much it. Um, thank you so much for listening. This Hellboy Book Club is going to be a weekly podcast, and we're going to discuss about a trade or so every week. Um, so we'll always let you know what we're going to be discussing next time. Um, we're going to be on iTunes very soon, um, so all that is still kind of uh, getting prepared. Um, we're also going to be a no-spoiler no podcast. So we're, since Danielle and Aubrey haven't really read a bulk of the Hellboy stuff, we're going to kind of go through this and not really address all the stuff in the future. Maybe we might hint at it, but... Um, I kind of want to go through this for people who maybe haven't been exposed to all the Hellboy comics to be able to jump on and, and enjoy. 
Um, what I'm really hoping is that we can get some audience participation from everybody. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, so write to us, follow us on the online. Um, we may add additional book club members. We'd love to hear from you and read your feedback on a future episode. So let us know what you think. And right now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. <laughs> say all the things, Aubrey. Tell us what you think about the first appearance of Hellboy and what you loved about Hellboy comics or any other feedback by emailing us at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Join the book club by following us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast or on Instagram or Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. On our next episode, we will be discussing the first story in Hellboy's own comic series, Seed of Destruction. Pull out your back issues, download your digital comics, Get your trade paperbacks, library editions, or omnibus and follow along with us by doing your homework for next time. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle Renee. And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, look at the size of that whammer. <laughs> <laughs>